Hello and welcome to the Two Who Recruit. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Two Who Recruit. It's episode one. Which biscuits are you? That will all become clear later on in the episode, but maybe have a little think about it now that I've told you what the episode name is. But no, welcome to our first episode, guys. Really, really happy to have you all here and listening to our first podcast. And if you listened to episode zero, you will know that me and Sheena, my colleague, friend, confidant, have set up this podcast to essentially dispel the myths of recruitment, but also just to give you a bit more of an insight into the variety of things that we do. We're so incredibly lucky to do so many different things. So we're going to give you a bit of an insight, but the first episode is a chance for me to interview Sheens. Now, some context here, me and Sheens have worked together for six years. We've also lived together, so we know rather a lot about each other, (laughs) but I've never actually got the chance to interview Sheena. So I'm really actually quite excited. And you'll find out from this episode that all the questions that I ask today are typical questions that you might expect to find in an interview that you come to do in the future or that you're doing at the moment. So the idea being that we're just going to show you maybe how we'd answer the questions, maybe not quite as formally as in an interview, But just, yeah, give you some examples of questions that you might expect to find in an interview. So, hi, Sheens. Hi, (laughs) Charles. I'm so happy to do this. (laughs) I know, this is very exciting. We've been trying to do this for ages. How are you? How's your week been? I'm good. My week, my week has been absolutely busy. I mean, it's been great weather. But recently we've been to the IIA dinner, we've been to Henley Regatta. It's been absolutely incredible the last couple of days. And it's just been amazing to spend time and meet people who we just speak to on the phone all the time. And it's great getting back out there and seeing people. It's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I second that. I love the IIA dinner. For anybody who doesn't know what this is, This is an annual dinner held by the Chartered Institute. I'm giving them a little bit of a shout out. And they hold them every year and it's a chance to sort of meet, network, have a giggle with fellow people in your market, really, other heads of audit. And COVID was, it was awful because we couldn't go. It was obviously cancelled. But it was the first one that we had attended this year since COVID. And it was just so nice, wasn't it, to see everybody again? It was great. So it was my first time at the IIA and Jules, for the last how many years you've been saying it's the best event of the year. I had very much high expectations of this event. So I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad that I got to meet people and see the awards that were happening. And it was just a great, great event, wasn't it? So for my first time, I absolutely loved the IIA dinner and I cannot wait to go next year again. I did. I did feel like I was at the Brit Awards at one point. Because obviously they held the dinners at the Guildhall, which is a beautiful, beautiful location, but it's very old school. It's quite um, old fashioned, I guess, in it. Well, it's the Guildhall. But this year it was held at a hotel and they had music and lights and just action, everything. And it was amazing. So it was really fun. 
that's not the only thing that you've been up to this week, though, Sheens, is it? Let's let's just share a little bit here. What else has happened this week? So I, at the weekend, I, as of the weekend, I'm a newly engaged person. I have a fiancé now, which sounds absolutely bizarre. So, yeah, to top off what an incredible week it was already, I was back in Henley again. And we had a boat and he popped the question, which was even more great. It just sounds really weird. It's still a bit bizarre, even though I've been waiting for so long. <laughs> <laughs> She's closed the deal. Um, I've never been deal. Right. Fantastic, fantastic news. I think everybody in the office was so thrilled to learn that on Monday morning. It gave them a bit of in their steps. So such fantastic news. And nice to see a massive smile on your face. I'm beaming my smile like side to side at the moment. You are beaming. And glowing, and it's very exciting. Should we should we get into it? Should we should we get going? Let's get into it. We've been looking forward to this, so let's crack on with this podcast because I can't wait to get into it. I'm really excited. We've been doing a lot of interviewing ourselves as a as a organisation over the past couple of weeks, even months. And the first question that I always like to ask, and I'm slightly stealing this from Steve Bartlett, so sorry, sorry to the you know one of the most popular podcasts. <laughs> for stealing this but I'm actually really interested I think the audience will be really interested to see where we come from and our backgrounds so I'm opening up really with just just tell the audience tell me a little bit about your childhood your upbringing so we can get to know a bit more about you and your context yeah absolutely I mean I mean some of the things that I'll probably talk about Jules that I mean you've known me for how many years and you might not even know these things about me you know the whole point of this podcast is for me to be open and transparent so that's what I'll aim to do in this question so to give you an idea about my background and my childhood I come from a huge family so I lived uh there were four houses in a row and any child or any you know, grandparent or parent could access any one of these four houses. And you just sort of go in from the back. It's all open. We used to have dinner at one house. And, you know, if I was to go through how big the family was, there was probably about 15 people in these four houses, maybe even 16 by the time, you know, we've got newborns coming along the way and younger cousins. So that's the kind of sort of family setting that I grew up in. I've uh, lost my dad at a very young age. And thereafter, that was just my mum and my two sisters who are both older to me. So I'm the younger sibling. I'm the younger one. Now, I'm probably a bit different from my sisters, I would say as well. You know, I was the first one to be pushed out to uni. And when they went to work and got their first job, I could see them earning all this money. I thought, wow, this is great. And I went back to my mum and I was like, mum, I don't want to go to uni. Why should I go to uni? I want to go to work early. And she absolutely pushed me to go to uni and I picked child psychology because I was really interested in psychology. I always have been very interested to see how people work from behind the mind, from an emotional perspective as well. So I was always very, very interested in that. So I studied childhood psychology and I did my dissertation within that as well. Passed with a 2-1. I also clearly from that had a good time. The best people prepare to get a T1. I'm a f- just a firm believer in this. I believe that having a T1 is the best degree. <laughs> you can have a lack as much as you can uh, do your studies. Yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree. So I studied at Nottingham Trent and graduated. After that, after that, I got my first job 
And that was, that was for my first role. It was great because I absolutely enjoyed it. But I've noticed from being in recruitment for about six years now, I know this can be a bit of a, a, a topic that can come up. So when I did interview with them, they didn't tell me exactly what the role was and the role had completely changed on my first day. Lucky for me, I enjoyed it. And I ended up staying there three and a half years before, before I even went into recruitment. So that's a little bit about my background before I stepped into recruitment. And you mentioned that your mom, mums can often be huge influences in any person's life, but especially for females and especially in your situation with losing your father quite young. I guess if you could sort of talk through what your mum's taught you, what you've learned from your mum, if you think about your mum, what do you want to kind of get across, I guess, to people about her? That's a really good question, I think, Jules. And, you know, something that my mum taught me is hard work and perseverance pays off, you know, and I think I mentioned earlier on that it, it was just her, you know, and at some point in her career, in her life, she owned a company of her own. She, she's a driving instructor. I think quite a few people know that as well. And she also is a social care worker. So she always used to, you know, be at one or be at the other, set up her own agency. She was the first actually talking about us being females and what role models are you playing like. My mum was the first female in Leicester to be a driving instructor, independent driving instructor, 27 years ago. So she taught me you can break norms and she told, you know, she always said you can work hard and, you know, be consistent and it will pay off, you know? So I think I've got, for me, a really great role model that I've always looked up to and she's played quite a significant vision in my career and what I want to do out of life as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's something that we've seen as being quite common when we when I've spoken to any of the females in our organisation, and we're very proud to say that we're I think we're fifty fifty in 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 gender split. Most of the, the young ladies in our team, their mums are their role models, and you know their mums are the people who've instilled a lot of their work ethic, and I love that. I think that's I think that's really cool. I think that's that's really cool. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question that often comes up in interviews. I love this question because I love to see people's take on it. And can you talk me through a time that you have failed? Well and truly, flat on your face, failed. <laughs> I love this question. I absolutely love it because my, when, I, when I think about the word, word failed, for me, it's what have you learned at the back of it? Because I think failure helps you to develop it, whether that might be personally or professionally. So, of course, everybody's failed. I failed multiple times. And a time that I failed is after I handed in my notice in my first job uh, in my training role, like I mentioned earlier, I thought, yes, I'll pack up all my stuff and move to Australia. I thought, why not? Why not? <laughs> I'm young. Um, and I probably, you know, I packed up everything. I said bye to everyone. I had a whole leaving party. And within five months, I came back to the UK, you know, went back to my mum's house. And I think 
first and foremost, what it taught me is to stand up on my own two feet. Mm. Having the courage to do that, I never would have done that. But it didn't work out. Absolutely, of course it didn't. But I learned so much at the back of it and I really got to know myself as well. So I've absolutely failed, but I look back at it as a huge learning curve on my part as well. It's funny though when you say say that was a failure for you because you you went to Australia, you picked up your life and took it across the world. You actually were there for five months, which I think a lot of people will have been there for a lot less time. What makes you think that you failed? How for that? How for you is that a failure? I guess is is the question. That's a really good question because what makes it what makes it a failure or a time I failed for me is because I initially had the vision that I will relocate forever. That was the plan. That was the plan. I wasn't actually, I had no vision to be in the UK. I had no vision to be in London. So when I initially set out my plan, it was forever, but actually that wasn't the case. And that's why for me, I personally take that as a failure because I had a completely different vision in mind. Right. Okay. Okay. I see. Okay. And how did you pick yourself back up again from that? Because that, that's, yeah, that is hard to, to run home. You know, we all don't want to run home. You know, no one wants to do that. So how did you pick yourself back up again? What were those moments like in the, what, the two weeks after you'd got back? Oh, it was so tough. It was really tough to cope with emotionally. Because just texting somebody or calling somebody to say, oh, I'm back in the UK. Even they have a question of what happened here. So it was really, really tough to give that message. And it almost felt like I had a big party, which I didn't organize, obviously. My sisters, you know, organized this huge party with, you know, everybody came over to say bye. So it was when you are interacting with those people again, to say, hi, I'm back in the UK or I'm back in, you know, Leicester at my mom's house. To me, that was very difficult for the first two, three weeks of just letting people. And if I'm being honest, I remember just almost crawling into a little hole initially when I, when I first landed, actually nobody knew. So it was almost my way of dealing with, like you said, you know, nobody leaves their parents' house to have the vision to go back, right? Yeah. But for me, it was, it was almost like there was a little bit of shame attached. If I'm being brutally yeah. honest about how I was feeling at the time. And I just dealt with it. I thought, right, you have to pick yourself back up. And I messaged my old place where I used to work because they always said, look, if you ever come back, let us know. There's always a space for you here. And that's what I did. So that was my, that was my initial step. It was all in baby steps. So that's the first baby step I took. The second step that I took was I actually emailed, believe it or not, Dave Haler at IAC to say, no, you didn't know that. (laughs) What point was it? Hang on. When was this? What year was this? What? This was was January 2016 because that's when I I landed. I I came back near New Year's 2016. I emailed Dave around the third or fourth week in January. And I said to Dave, I have no idea what order it is, but I really like your website. I really like 
everything that I've read so far. This is who I am. This is what I do. I have no recruitment background. And he said, let's book a call in. So that was my second baby step. And it just shows me everything happens for a reason because here I am six and a half years later. And I probably never mentioned that before. And gosh, isn't that amazing though? The, the fact that you had at that point, I'm going to say the courage, the gut, the creativity actually to directly contact somebody and be like, hire me. I, I've not got any, I've not got any recruitment experience. I don't know what audit means, but please hire me, take a chance on me. And it's funny how few people I think do that. They don't know they can do that. And I personally think it's, it's a really brave thing to do and more people should do it and hats off to you because it got you where you are now. And I'm pretty sure that's why Dave, and a big reason why Dave hired you and, and still sees you as being a really valuable member of the team because you've just got that hunger that I think everyone needs to, should, should have passion, that kind of passion and hunger. I, I completely agree. And I think the, the bit that I really would advise, you know, anybody, you know, when you are in a difficult situation and you have put yourself in a little hole and you're coming back out, you know, take those baby steps because you will never know where it leads you. You know, it will pay off. It might not pay off, but it is absolutely well worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And saying, and saying yes to things as well. We all have our paths slightly taken off course. And I think sometimes it's about going, okay, that's fine. What, what am I going to say yes to next though? That puts me on a different path. So I, I love that. Okay. So on, I guess that topic of, you know, you, you that moment when you failed, you're a confident person. You know, I know that. I've, I've been to bars with jeans. I've been to restaurants with jeans. I've been around new people with jeans. I've been to networking events with jeans. And you're a confident person. When are you least confident? So when are you, when are you least, I guess, confident in a scenario? It's so bizarre, this question. Because, yeah. I, I, yes, I am. Of, of course, you know, I, I think I lose that confidence and I want to make, you know, of course, show that to the people that, that are around me, but believe it or not, public speaking is the most time I'm out my comfort zone. I, I'm an overthinker. I absolutely overthink. I overcompensate just because I'm being watched. So for me, that is, that is the biggest part where I'm at my comfort zone, which I think a lot of people who might have seen the Women in Leadership series, the webinars that we've done, you probably would not think that about me. But hand on heart, the biggest time I'm out my comfort zone is when I am speaking to, to the public because I just feel all the eyes are on me. And, you know, if somebody ever says, imagine everyone naked, you know, that's probably not the right thing to do. Never give that tip because I've heard that so many times. It never works. (laughs) What is your tip then? What do you do? I just try to make sure, you know, at the end of the day, we're humans. The people who you're speaking to are just humans. If they were in that position, they would feel exactly how I am. The point is anyone can show what what they look like, what they feel like on the outside. But what's on the inside is completely different. Everybody has their own battles. So, you have to remember everyone is in, you know, in some sort of position where they're not confident or 
you know, they're not in their comfort zone. Everybody has that. You just have to take faith in that. Yeah, that's the tip that I'd give. I always say this to candidates before an interview. People get so worked up about doing an interview. We get it all the time. We have to give people quite a lot of confidence and pep talks to gear themselves up for an interview. And I will always remind people that everyone's nervous about themselves and how they come across. And you know, even when I'm interviewing people for our business for IAC, I'm nervous. So I'm not being interviewed, but I am nervous because if that person in front of me is somebody that I want to join our business, of course I'm nervous on how I'm being perceived. Are they going to want to work for us? Am I putting my best self forward? And what I'm saying, is it a true reflection of, of us, the business? And so everybody thinks about, to be honest, themselves. So in every scenario, and I think it's, it's really interesting how we forget that sometimes. And I think that's a really, really good tip. Actually, that's a really good tip. I always, I always try and pretend that I'm sort of Michelle Obama or I try and kind of embody somebody else. I always feel a little bit, a little bit, a little bit better in myself. A question again, related to that, then I guess slightly different. Your biggest weakness, and gosh, don't we love this question? Weakness, genes. Go on. Give it. I love, I absolutely love this question because one, everybody has a weakness. Two, I think a lot of people think weakness means negative. It yeah. doesn't have to be negative because when I'm speaking to candidates or even, you know, anyone on the phone, you know, a few of my friends, when they're interviewing, you know, they always say, oh, weakness, does it have to be a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing. And I think for me, the first thing is it's a secret positive. So if I was going to advise anyone on what weakness is, it's a secret positive. And my secret positive would be planning because I absolutely cannot function without it. So I probably already have tomorrow's to-do list ready. Jules, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> oh. On my day. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's, it's crucial. And I think the reason I think it's my weakness is because for me, I cannot pack up my day without knowing what I'm doing tomorrow. And I'll probably hop on about planning is key in every scenario, whether that might be personally, professionally. You know, I think it's really important. I think it makes people efficient during the day. You know, you know exactly, imagine opening a book and you know exactly what you need to do for the next 12 hours. Yeah. You know, and things always crop up beside that as well. So for me, my huge weakness is planning, but I absolutely love it. So I'm calling it a secret positive. And, and what would you say is the, the danger of, I guess, especially in our career, what is the danger of over planning or being so adamant on planning things and I guess controlling things? Because that's slightly related. I think the danger is you become, you could become very routine. You know, you need to have a fine balance to it. There's no point planning for, there are some things where you can plan six months ahead, but I wouldn't be exactly planning my diary six months ahead because things crop up and, you know, you need to understand and in any job, you know, whether it's recruitment or anything else, you need to understand how to adapt, how to be flexible and having a rigid plan, you know, every single time doesn't really work. So as well, it's, it's great having a plan, but besides that, you also need to understand where can I be flexible? Where can I adapt? And I think having that balance and having that approach would really help 
to anybody really in their career you have to have a bit of balance to both yeah absolutely it's it's funny isn't it i think everyone panics when they hear that question they they absolutely hate it i mean people it's probably the the I probably get asked that question the most, you know, how do I respond to biggest weakness? And oh my goodness, I once had a scenario where a candidate told a client they were lazy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was probably the worst. That was probably the worst thing to have said. Because you're right, it's a secret positive, right? I mean, you know, a people pleaser. And I would always say more people pleasing, but this is how I have changed my perspective around people pleasing. This is what I'm doing to improve on it. But it's a really hard question. It's a really, really hard I, I question. I think so. And it, it is really difficult because, you know, in my six, six and a half year recruitment career, a lot of people have always asked, oh, how do I actually answer that? What do you <laughs> mean? If I give a weakness, does that mean I'm saying very, something very negative about me and they won't like me? It's a very tricky question. But I think, you know, you can always have a sequel positive I absolutely love that everybody's got to have a weakness and an area they can improve on it's what makes us humans and it what it's what gives us a challenge yeah yeah it makes us good employees in a way okay so I'm going to sort of go a little bit off topic enough of digging around into into you and your in your life and your weaknesses and your challenges and your when you're not confident so I guess really yeah we are in IAC, Associate Directors, we have had very challenging routes to where we've got to. It's not been easy. We had COVID, the pandemic. We have had years of frustration over things not going right, and it's not been easy. But we are women in leadership roles. And you know, Dave Haler, who's our MD, we are part of his leadership team, and we essentially come up with the decisions to run our business. Note the word our, because Dave has always said, you know, it's, it's all of our business. You know, if you're a leadership, leadership team, it's, it's your business. So what would be, I guess, your advice, what would be your advice to somebody, a female, who was looking to go into a leadership position, you know, sat listening to this podcast and thinking, well, how, how is Sheena manage to get to an associate director and whether that be in audit or whether that be in, in recruitment or anywhere but what would your advice be my advice to anybody who wants to get into a leadership position is one have a vision where do you want to be and have an idea about a rough plan as to when you want to achieve that by now that doesn't have to be set in stone that doesn't have to be a particular year but just vision your plan because for me that is exactly what i did when i joined IAC, I always looked at, right, where can I, where can I grow with the business? How can I learn? And the biggest tip I would give is each year, have a list of everything you have achieved and what, how, what do you set to achieve for next year? So key piece reflection. That's what I did. I mean, I said earlier, I'm going to harp on about planning. I'm the middle <laughs> planner. And <laughs> All right, Shams, get over the planning. Yeah, over it. <laughs> Every single year, that's what I did. I, I, I looked at what have I achieved? Where do I want to be? And I think if you have the drive, the focus, the ambition, absolutely have a plan behind that. And like I said, it doesn't need to be set in stone. Plans change. If anything, I spoke to, you know, I, I spoke to the audience about failing, you know, because if, if something didn't work out, it might not work out. But the point is you've thought about it and you put something into place 
and push boundaries, you know, think creatively before you don't put your hand up and think, I'm not going to say that. Put your hand up and say, push yourself out there. Take risks, like I mentioned earlier. You know, I, th I think it's really important to do that and set yourself aside. I think that's very important. So that would be my advice. There was quite a bit there in that question. That would be my advice to anybody who does want to go into a leadership position. Do you think, you know, sort of going backwards, rewinding to Sheen's at, let's say, 10, 10 years old, would she be proud of where you've got to? I'm going to say absolutely. I, I absolutely would be proud of my future self because it's not something I visioned. I never visioned getting into equipment. I visioned being a teacher. And it's absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very different, and I have the utmost respect for teachers out there. But I would have never have thought I could have a career like this. I would have never have thought that I could be as successful as I am today. And my younger self would be absolutely proud of that. Yeah, I think so too. I would definitely say so. I mean, gosh, what 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 a week! Not even just from a work perspective, from a life perspective, but I think also just. No, I think it's always important to look back on that. I, I personally try and remind myself of that so much. You know, that 13-year-old Jules who was still playing Playmobil, because that's definitely what I was doing at 13, would have been so chuffed. <laughs> you know, if, if you could look in that glass ball, she'd be like, wow, my goodness. Look at the more blue handbag. Um, okay. Absolutely. I mean, on, yeah, again, recruitment this year has been a bit mental and we hear about recruitment in the news all the time, you know, record vacancies. It's been difficult, hasn't it? It's been difficult a couple of years. People who are listening to this may be recruiting at the moment. They may be a candidate in the market. They might be interested in knowing about, about recruitment and about where we're headed. Do you have any advice? Uh, on the recruitment market at the moment. What are you saying to clients? I do. I, I have two tips is one would be, it's a vet, as we know, you know, it's a very busy market out there. Talent is coming, talent is going, you know, a few clients only even booking in a first stage in the morning, doing a final stage and having an offer at the same day. This is what we are competing with at the moment. And if anything, I, I would say move quickly, move fast. If you like a CV or a profile, say yes, because at least you don't lose out on it and think, what if? So I would, I would say absolutely move quick because to find talent in, in this climate is tough. And when that talent does come around, I think it's important to, to look at that and have a conversation and see whether that works for your organization. The second thing that I would say is I'm a specialist recruiter. I have been for about six and a half years now, seven, coming up to seven years. And I think some clients can maybe not always take on the advice of the recruiter. And that's something that I would just really like to talk about today, because I think it's really important. If you have built trust, if you have worked with that recruiter for many years and you know they have always delivered this current climate salaries have gone up Jules you you would have seen that we're hearing it from clients we're hearing it from candidates so 
PwC putting theirs, what, 9.1% in May? Exactly. As well as Deloitte, EY, you know, there's been other organizations that have also been putting their salaries up as well. So it's, it's just, if, if salary is a problem, it's probably discussing that right from the get-go, not leaving that till the end and discussing it there. So there, there's many tips that can go into this and talk about this as a whole episode all day, but we'll just to give you, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. <laughs> Just to give anybody a quick tip around, if you are a hiring manager or you're a candidate, you know, it's have commitment in the process because it is very quick and you have to think about things. So think about it right from the get-go before you even have your first stage, you know, take it seriously because people are moving very quickly. Yeah, I love that advice actually. And that's what we do. We follow our own advice. I mean, Dave has a, a fantastic relationship with the recruitment company that we use because we use a recruitment company to recruit, of course. We see so much value in it. And he literally rings him the second we've had an interview. He talks to him every single day. He takes their advice. He listens to them. But but also when we are recruiting as an organization, that's literally all we think about, isn't it? Right. I mean, oh my goodness, our days are focused around, we need to find the best person. Let's go, go, go. Let's move. And we do everything possible to try and be adaptable as well. And I think it's really important that people understand that, yes, you have to dedicate time. And if you don't do that, you're going to be recruiting for months and months and months and you'll lose your budget and you'll lose other people in your team because let's be honest if you're in an under-resourced team and you're taking on more work you you're not happy they're they're going to be looking as well so mm -hmm. i love that i love that tip right so last question before we go into a bit of an interesting question Sheens does know most of these questions that I'm asking, by the way, but there's one at the end that she has no idea what I'm going to ask her. But I love this one. If you were a biscuit, here we go, hence the title of the episode. If you were a biscuit, what biscuit would you be? But also why? I love this. I absolutely love this question. So what would be my favorite biscuit? It would absolutely, absolutely be a party, party ring. <laughs> it's, it's firstly, it's colorful. It's jazzy. They, they're just vibrant. I absolutely love them. That's why I'd pick it. I love what that. What you want? Super sweet. Find, find them at a kid's party. This <laughs> is all for the party. I love that. I'm moving. Any kid's parties around anyone with party wing? Yeah. Yeah. Cheese is there. Cheese is there. Right. We're on to um, what are we calling this? A bamboo bamboozled question? Bamboozled question. I I don't know what you're going to ask. Right, right. So I, I genuinely hadn't heard this question until a couple of months ago. And, and Chris, who's one of our directors, always asks this question. And it's so difficult. If recruitment didn't exist, and also you had no fear, you couldn't fail. So you literally can't fail, right? And if recruitment didn't exist, what would you be doing? What would you do? I love this question. I'm going to have to take 10 seconds to think about it. <laughs> and that is a classic tip for recruitment interviewing. If you ever get asked a question that you genuinely can't think of an answer, take 10 seconds, take the pause. Okay. What would I, what would I do? Okay. So no fear. You, you can't fail. So you're, you're literally anything and you're not going to fail at it. You're going to be amazing at this thing. Of course I will. <laughs> 
course we will. Of course we will. But yeah, there's literally no, there's no, there's no recession. There's no failure. There's no COVID pandemic. You can, I think I've had this. Right. I'm going to go with, I would love to buy properties, flip them over, turn them around, decorate them, sell them. Have I been watching too much Selling Sunset, Jules? Is that what it like, is? No. I was about to say, selling sunset, location, location, location. You're basically Kirsty Olsen. I absolutely love it. Could you imagine, could you imagine buying something that is run down and putting all that work into it and selling it and seeing your baby, it's like baby projects and yeah. making money at the back of it. Why not? I'd absolutely love that. That's what I'd do, I think. I love that. It would be great. Cool. That's a great one. That's a really good one. It's such a difficult question. I, I still don't know what I do. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to love Parent Trap. You know, the film Parent Trap. And I, love that. I wanted to be the mum in Parent Trap because she was so chic, so elegant, and she designed wedding dresses. But my drawing skills are so poor that that was very quickly scrapped. <laughs> I'd be very good at selling the wedding dresses. I'd be very good at selling a wedding dress, but I would not be good at something else. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Sheens, I've loved that. And thank you for answering all my, all my questions. I can't think of any. Having... So we're going we're gonna to wrap this episode up. And what are we doing next time? So next time we are going to flip the tables onto Jules. So in our episode two, we are asking Jules about her background. Similar questions, but a few different ones as well. And we're going to go through and interview Jules this time, because like Jules says, we've lived together, we work together, but there's so much still that we discover about each other every day. So in our next session on episode two, please listen in to hear more about Jules. Thanks, guys. Have a lovely rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Two Who Recruit. See you next time.